All right, y'all, welcome to the Mad Rhythms Podcast Network. This is the Either And Podcast, and I'm your host, Brill Barrett. When there's contention or controversy, most people believe the solution has to be either or. I believe the solution lies somewhere in either and. Welcome to the Either And Podcast. I am your host, Brill Barrett, and today I am joined by a very, very special guest, one of one of the premier and prominent dancers in the city of Chicago, choreographers in the city of Chicago, company directors in the city of Chicago. And yes, when you run a nonprofit, you wear many, many hats. And we'll get into that. But let me first introduce Miss Vershawn Sanders Ward. Hey. <laughs> I almost forgot to say the whole thing. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's no. all good. Um, glad to have you here. So right. for those that don't know, Tell everybody what your company is and just a little bit of the background of your company. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Brill, for inviting me. And, um, you know, just always honored to share space with you as another leader in this city that's I, really been putting it down. <laughs> putting it down for years. I won't, I won't tell everyone the story of how I first met you, but <laughs> uh, Red Clay Dance Company, we have been um, working for 15 years in the city uh, well, I would say 13 years in Chicago, 15 years total. Um, I founded the company in 2008 okay. in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I am from Chicago. Don't okay. get twisted. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. I didn't know you wasn't from no, here. I'm from here. I'm from the shy, but I um, was in grad school okay. at NYU when I um Decided to start Red Clay. And oh, it was, um, you're a smart artist. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have my plan A, B, C, D, E, mm, F, G, mm, all that. Okay. So um, I, I was um, living in Brooklyn at the time, had mm-hmm. an opportunity to travel to Senegal, West Africa, to nice. study with an amazing artist there, Jermaine Oncogni. And it was during those three months in Senegal that I just decided I wanted to start my own organization. Okay. Um, I wasn't, I didn't want to do the rat race in New York <laughs> of like hopping on this train, going to this audition, trying to meet this person. And I re- I just had a bigger vision for my art and mm-hmm. um, wanted to explore that. And so I founded the company in New York in 2008. And then I moved back home to Chicago in 2010 and kind of just relocated the company here. Okay. Did auditions at mm-hmm. the Gary Comer Youth Center. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, we've done some stuff there. Beautiful man, place. Beautiful place. So did auditions there. Got, uh, I think at that first audition, we had seven, six dancers that uh, joined the company. And okay. And did our first show at the Harold Washington Cultural, Cultural Center. Center. No dope. Um, shout out, shout out. <laughs> I don't even have the buttons know, programmed to be like, pew, 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 pew. I just was like, this is a beautiful theater. This is where we're going to do our first performance. Mm-hmm. And so that that's where it all started. And uh, we've been, you know, committed to this city, to both the artists of Chicago, the mm-hmm. youth of Chicago since then. And, um, you know, wanting to highlight the rich history, culture, and you know, just magic that exists um, in this part. Well, in Chicago in general, but mm-hmm. specifically on the South Side. So that's that's the story. We're we're continuing to move forward and grow and share our um, art of visual. <laughs> um, yeah, we're gonna get into the the, yeah. the the behind that whole how that came about because yeah. I'm sure it's. I, I call myself a taptivist for years, yeah, so I'm sure we on the same page. But it's I'm very interested in the story, mm-hmm. but. Before we get to that story, okay, I do want to know, um, 
how did we first meet again? That story that you skipped, well, we that we you were going to skip, you said. I was, was going to say, we didn't really meet. Okay, I was okay. fangirl in the little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Now <laughs> I got to hear the story. Do tell, do tell. Well, uh, I, I had gone to like a, a party. It was somewhere on the north side. Uh -huh. I think... Um, I think I hadn't actually I hadn't left Chicago yet for grad school. I have just finished undergrad, but it was a party and um in this it was like an outdoor area where they had like a live band mm -hmm. and they had some tap dancers. Oh, so, this sounds like first Fridays. <laughs> and so it was you and another gentleman okay. and you all were tapping together, and I was like, man, who's that? Like they got. Dance and party, like I mean, in a party, party. Folk was in there getting, yeah, it in. yeah. But it was a way to kind of come outside, get some air. But there was also art, so mm -hmm. I just enjoyed that. Like, I'm like, man, this is amazing just to walk out and see a live performance like this. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't necessarily necessarily expect it because it was like a club, but then it was like <laughs> on the outside. So that was um that was the first time I saw you tap. Interesting. And, like, that? and then years later, when I I think um. It was it was some concert, a joint concert. I was like, that's the same guy from the party. <laughs> I was like, he got a company? Like, oh, man. So that's, you know, so we didn't meet. Okay, I okay. myself. Okay. I was like, appreciating for this. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I appreciate you telling that story because it goes to show I've been trying. I've been on a mission for a long time. Mm -hmm. To get tap respected by like general audiences in general, like it was so, and I don't have to tell you, mm -hmm. but tap has been pigeonholed mm -hmm. for so long. It was it was Broadway or Hollywood, and then it was you know if you weren't wearing a tuxedo and a top hat, people didn't or people used to ask, why why aren't you smiling like all of these different things. Oh. And so when I was coming up, I was on these missions. I had all these mini missions. This I guess this was baby Brill as a as a <laughs> as a taptivist. Yes. Um I wanted to be the first tap dancer to rap. Oh, wow. And so and it's funny, I just we uh, Matt Rhythms is archiving our collection. Okay. At the Newberry, and I just took a bunch of stuff to the Newberry Library yesterday, wow. and included in that is a pair of K Swiss that I had taps put on because I wanted to to bring, you know, <laughs> the the regular world into the tap world and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But I remember there was a period when whenever there was parties going one, if even if we didn't get paid, we'd get in the parties for free. Yeah, if we were entertainers. <laughs> so that was that. But the other thing was like I was like I don't want to just be in dance settings. Mm. I want to be in settings where people who just are having a good time enjoy themselves and happen to see dance, and maybe that turns them into future artist members right. or future class members or future something in support of the dance. So yeah. I, I like that you brought that story up because yeah. that made me think about, man, I was on that for quite a while. And dance is so social, especially yeah. our dances. Yeah. It's social, so it to me it would make sense. It's not something separate from our, our everyday lived experience. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. not just in the theater dance you can see it and experience everywhere so mm -hmm. that's what i love like just putting yourself in the place for folks to access mm -hmm. and then like you said like oh i really enjoy that let yeah. me learn more you know what i'm saying but i was like at the club so. <laughs> <laughs> you know no that's very cool yeah. that's very cool yeah that's very cool um so now now as we as we start to fast forward um <laughs> In the state of the world we are in today. So, and I don't know if, you know, fully, like the whole reason, I, I tell people all the time, I this is not a tap dance podcast. Mm -hmm. 
which is why the mem- the people that I have that I talk to, I feel like are just people in society trying to do good and make things better the same way I am. So for me, the whole concept with either and is that a lot of people think it's got to be my way or your way. And a lot of times that solution lies in the middle of that. And so I like, you know, every time I saw Red Clay, I was like, Knowing all these new things. Oh, see, she, Vanessa's telling me I'm moving too much. You wasn't going to even say nothing. You're like, mm hmm, he told me. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just trying to hold myself together because I know how I get. <laughs> but, you know, the the first times I started being aware of Red Clay, I feel like it was at Gary Coma. Mm-hmm. Is that where I've. You were doing a youth something, youth and and I brought our youth yes. tap dancers from our our, our youth programs, mm-hmm. um, and that was the first connection. But I don't think I knew fully what Red Clay was. Mm, yeah. I just knew y'all kids mm-hmm. were better than kids. <laughs> you know, like you see kids come out of dance schools, and and I felt like the first time I saw young people dancing under the Red Clay banner, I just mm-hmm. remember going. They're not old enough to have the emotions that ah. they seem to be dancing with on stage. Yes, yes. How is this possible? <laughs> so I'm sure there's a story behind even how you get dancers in tune with their emotions and things of that nature. But um, so that that was my first exposure and experience with Red Clay. And then a lot of the times, it's funny, we would run into each other and be on the same projects from time to time. Uh, yeah. But a lot of the stuff is I just start reading. I was like, every time I looked around, <laughs> there's an interview with Rashawn Sanders. And then, and then, and it was just the, and then the building. Uh, and, and I know that was, ooh-wee. you know, I know that was an undertaking. So I guess l- let's go back a little bit. I was asking you before we actually got on record about, if you started off as a nonprofit mm-hmm. and, and you said from the beginning. So tell me how you knew, because I, I preface this by saying Matt Rhythms wasn't a nonprofit okay. at first. Okay. I didn't know nothing about nonprofit world. Nobody taught me, you know, there wasn't a place where somebody say, are you thinking of becoming yeah. a nonprofit? Yeah. Go here. So I started Matt Rhythms as a for-profit, just a, I incorporated as a regular business. Okay. And that, and I believe that like a, lar- a large part of my influence growing up was my uncle, okay. who was a businessman. Business and so, yes. you know, when I started talking about doing stuff, his a lot of his advice was from a businessman point of view. Okay. And so and I appreciated having that because yeah. as an artist, you know, I, I didn't learn that in of school. Course. So I started as a, a for profit and my theory in my own mind was <laughs> why would I say I'm non gonna be non for profit? I'm gonna make some right. money. I'm, I'm going right. and I, I my mom was teaching me all about positive thinking and I'm like, I ain't gonna start off saying I'm not making money. So and of course I know what, what this mm-hmm. world was. Mm-hmm. But you started off as a nonprofit. Why? Right. Or how did that come about? Yeah, so it was, um, I had um, attended a, um, it was like a workshop or a webinar or something as I was finishing up school at NYU. And, um, well, actually, let me go back. I would say my first entry into the nonprofit world was um, as a student at Columbia College, an okay. undergrad. I okay. worked in the office. Like, you know, you get the little uh-huh. student job. <laughs> and, you know, everybody like, oh, the little It's either the lunchroom or the office. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going in this office because I want to see what's happening behind the scenes. Mm. And, like, how are you all bringing these artists in? How are you paying them? Like, how are you all making this business model work? Mm-hmm. And so that was my first, like, understanding. <laughs> I'm only laughing because now your hand's going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm talking. Um, so that was my first introduction to like, oh, what are grants? Mm. This is what, you know, we're using this sort of um, 
uh, application and this is how this is how we have to talk about our programs in order mm-hmm. to get this money. These are who funders are. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what a corporate sponsorship is. So it was that understanding from learning how the program was really paying their bills, you know. And mm. I was like, how are you all doing this? Because I knew I knew instinctually, like, ticket sales is <laughs> I knew that out the gate. I was right, like, right, I'm right. counting the seats and how much y'all are charging. There's no way ticket sales is paying for all it's of this. It's paying for this. Mm-hmm. So I knew right away, looking at the services or programs that Red Clay could offer, I mm-hmm. was like, the earned revenue is never going to cover it 100%. So what mm-hmm. else do I need to do? And the challenge, though, was thinking about, well, I feel like the arts are enough, like just experiencing exposure to the arts. But in the nonprofit sector, there's this idea of like a theory of change or mm-hmm. your impact. Like, what are you trying mm-hmm. to change mm-hmm. in the world? And I'm just like, I'm just trying to get people to dance. Like, that's, <laughs> that's enough, ain't it? You know. But it's like, well, there's more. Uh-huh. You uh-huh. So I had to think about it um, from that perspective. Like, okay, what impact is Red Clay trying to make mm-hmm. if I'm going to make this a 501c3? Mm-hmm. Has to be, because otherwise, a for-profit, of we're just going to do shows, performances, and, exactly, and that's it, Exactly, exactly. Right? So in making that choice, um, going to this webinar fast forward, uh-huh. I, I didn't know the process of forming a uh-huh. 501c3. Uh-huh. I thought you just fell out of the thing, <laughs> sent it to the IRS, and they're like, you good. I'm like, no, there's so much more. And so that webinar really opened my eyes to like, okay, okay you got to have a board of directors. Mm-hmm. Who's the board of directors? What's their job? And, you know, as you're bringing on staff, how, you know, it was all the ins, ins and outs. Mm-hmm. Of it. But what I did learn is that a 501c3 is literally a tax, um, it's your, uh, your tax uh, categorization of oh, your business. Right, right. But it's still a business. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. and I think that's, I didn't learn that until later on in into my career that it's not about not making money right yeah i'm like no we money. <laughs> it's what you do with that revenue that absolutely that, you know changes that for you so that was my um that was my introduction i had a little bit of behind the scenes and then i went to that particular webinar and started to really understand what it what it takes to form a nonprofit and to maintain mm. that status. Yeah, because um, that's a whole nother. We could do a podcast yeah. <laughs> on forming, and then we could do a whole nother podcast on, on maintaining. Because it's not that you get it forever. There's, there are things nah. you have to continue to do. <laughs> and I think a lot of people know that going in, like, oh, it's more. You yeah, know? yeah. And I think the last thing that I didn't know about was um, fiscal sponsorship. Mm. And I found out. I think it was maybe like maybe two months after I got my letter, like, yeah, we're officially 501c3. And I started thinking about like, who's going to be on my board? You uh-huh, know, like uh-huh. this is a new organization. I'm new as uh-huh. an artist. You know, I'm like, who can I convince to be <laughs> on my board and take responsibility for this thing that I'm still building? Uh-huh. So, of course, it started off with like a mentor, friends, or family, uh-huh, people uh-huh. that I knew. But I didn't know about fiscal sponsorship. And mm. I'm like, man, I could have... You know, for for the, I mean, really just borrowing someone else's five hundred one c three for right, a while, right, 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 for a while until you, until you get, figure yeah, out until you figure out mm-hmm. your operations and how you're gonna grow, and um and also being able to learn from an established uh, organization about reporting and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. You know, finance all how that you fun have to stuff. keep your budget together. I'm like, man, I wish I had. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, in the long run, it all worked out. Uh-huh, that was, uh-huh. you know, that was my journey. That was my path. But in, um, 
I would say in mentoring young artists today, I do encourage, like, you know, just look at all the different kinds of structures of a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 501c3 is not the only way, and there's a lot of things about it that are broken. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things in it that are inequitable for mm-hmm. black and brown people. Mm. So I do, you know, I, I will, I do kind of give that advice. Like uh-huh. Make sure that this is really the the form, the way that you want to form your business and knowing why you want to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's so many other ways now that you can umbrella yeah. different businesses. You know, <laughs> Absolutely. That they didn't want to let us know about real. So I'm like, oh, I see how y'all are doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my process to forming one. Nice. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's also, you, you bring up a good point. That's why I wanted us to talk about it mm-hmm. because maybe – some dancer who just might be a fan of Ray Clay or Mad Rhythms or both, either and or, mm-hmm. listens to this and goes, doesn't have the same first steps that you or I had because they're listening to us have this conversation right. about it. Right. So I definitely look at, and you know, educators forever. Like yeah, we're always, always. going to find a way through everything we do to educate. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, we just, I think I never heard anybody I looked up to in dance or otherwise talking about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was never able to just sit and and absorb. Yeah. So I had either. to learn the hard way. Yeah. Do sure. a lot of <laughs> trial and error. I won't. I won't talk about having the IRS knock on my door at home in the past. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> they found you. You let them find you. <laughs> but I will say, but even like learning that that um that non for profit and tax exempt are two different yeah, things. Five hundred one c three is both of those things yes. together. It's a lot. Yeah. So like like even that and it's most classifications inside of that. Uh huh. Public um, charity versus yes, a foundation yes, versus a yep. Yeah. So yep. really knowing what it is you're you're starting, understanding mm-hmm. your vision, and like and getting with a really good tax accountant. Mm-hmm. Really good attorney that understands nonprofit. You know, just go. And there are, I will say that I feel like there are um, organizations now that do kind of support artists going through that process mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. so than where it was in the past. Uh-huh. There are more lawyers who create different people that are like, we realize this is a need for yeah, artists. Yeah. How do we bring some resources to them and information so we can help? Guide them. I yeah. remember going to lawyers of the creative arts mm-hmm. <laughs> for when I decided that I wanted to take. And this is the funny thing. This is one of the reasons it took Mad Rhythm so long to become a non-for-profit mm-hmm. tax exempt entity yeah. is because I remember going to lawyers for the creative arts. And this was this is a long time ago. So yeah. this is before they would send you an email with all the links to the forms you needed. They would give you the forms. The papers. So you left there with a stack, stack. of papers and man, I remember sitting down and trying to go through, and after a page and a half, I was like, I was too through. Yeah, I don't know. What and after like three months, I was like, mm, mm. and so that paper just sat there. I was, <laughs> I was kept coming back to it. I'm gonna do it today. I'm gonna do it, and then yeah. So it took a long time until um, um, Creative Genius Law is who ah, we ended up connecting amazing. with. Amazing, <laughs> man, out here saving lives. Man, and to this day, they're why we're a non for profit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I just say, and I thought I thought I liked paperwork. Mm. Like I was that rare breed of like entertainer mm. or artist who like. Like I said, my uncle, who was one of my mentors, was a businessman, yeah. an entrepreneur. So yeah. I was always, like, looking at him. And I remember just as much as I watched, like, dance movies on TV, I like movies with, like, Michael J. Fox taking over a company. Oh, like, I yeah. used to like all them little, <laughs> you know, corporate raider-type exactly. movies. Um, exactly. 
as almost almost as much as dance movies. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I could do this. Um, mm-hmm. When I was young, I turned half of my bedroom into an office. Okay, <laughs> Just, you was a businessman. From oh the man! I, okay. In high school, I wore suits every day. Yes. Like I was determined to be the businessman, <laughs> or at least looked apart, or at least be what I thought a businessman was. <laughs> right. I was playing dress up though, because now that I'm in business every day, ain't nothing like a good pair of sweats. I, mean, it ain't nothing, <laughs> I was like, it don't have nothing to do with that suit either, man. Please. <laughs> um. It's gritty. It can be gritty. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. So tell me about Red Clay, the name. Ah. Like, I, you know, you think of certain places in the country, mainly yes. South, have yes. Red Clay. So I know there's connection with our with our ancestors there. Mm-hmm. But so I'm curious just to know yeah. Red well, Clay. It definitely came from that. My Both of my parents are from Mobile, Alabama. Okay, and I okay. spent almost every summer there with my grandparents. Okay. Like, you know, we got out of school like the next day it's like all right pack your suitcase, <laughs> we get out. out of here because we about to enjoy our summer uh-huh um but yeah so summer's there and it was um you know back in the day when kids played outside uh-huh. so that uh-huh. was something i remember with my cousins like going outside playing and mm-hmm. for me being from he- up north it was like what is this they dirt red you know what i mean it's like what is going on and i mean i it it just it was a a place of memory for me in terms of creativity imagination joy and I felt like it it um it's really what kind of what's guided my work and the desire to be an artist and a creative mm-hmm. was tied to that like play and imagination mm-hmm. and possibility mm-hmm. and dreaming and visioning. So when I was thinking about a name that resonated with me, like that red clay that you can mold and make into mm. whatever you want it to be, and you know. We didn't have a whole lot of money. So I was like, this is a Mercedes 320, you know. That's right, that's right. Whatever you made it, that's what it was. Uh That was a way to vision for your life. So Red Clay made sense to me as a company name. It wasn't my name, Rashawn, Mm -hmm. but it was still very tied to me. And it Mm -hmm. it felt more rooted in culture. And it's something I saw when I went to Senegal. Uh There is red. It's red, yeah. So I was like, yes, coming all, you know, back together. So it felt very authentic in that way as okay. a name for the company and it's expressing this um this molding and this making that we do in dance and in the arts where we're we're mm-hmm. taking just a raw whatever that is and really forming and forming something. it into something mm-hmm. that's dope that that's what i thought yeah, you know you know sometimes i i think i'm smart sometimes so very so that's smart. what i thought and mm-hmm. so i mean i knew it had something to do so but it's great for to hear sure. that story um and I actually what stood out to me just now is the fact that you were like it's not my name, but it's it's something that resonated because I'm I'm the same way with Mad Rhythms. Yeah. You know, everybody was like Brill Barrett's Mad yes, Rhythms, and yes. I was like, nah, I want to take my name off of it mm-hmm. because I want it to be something that exists without me. Yeah. I want it to be something that can even become an institution mm-hmm. and be around long after I'm gone. Exactly. So and exactly. and you know that we don't always think like that at early because. No. Before Mad Rhythms, I was all about, oh, I'm going to be famous. Exactly. Everybody's going to know the name Brill Barrett. Yes. And by the time, fast forward, we're on Mad Rhythms, they're like, Brill Barrett's Mad Rhythms? I'm like, no, it's it's not what I told you. Just Mad Rhythms. (laughs) Leave it. Uh, Brill Barrett and his troop. No, Mad Rhythms. And I understand, you know, from a marketing point, why the the more recognizable name. But now I love... um, Fast forward to many, many years, I ran into mm. somebody just a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, 
oh, Mad Rhythms, are you in Mad Rhythms? And wow. I was like, I definitely am. And the other person See? started cracking Crack up. Because <laughs> they were like, he is Mad, Mad Rhythms. Rhythms. Yeah. And but I think the beauty is that you're able to you're able to put the essence of who you are in an organization. And that, to me, is long-lasting and mm-hmm. meaningful. It's mm-hmm. great to just say that's the name, but it's like, is was the did the person pour into the organization in a way that their essence stays? It stays, you know? yeah, yeah. More so than like this is the names, like well, who was the person? <laughs> I don't know, you know. <laughs> so that made that to me was more long lasting. Uh-huh. I want people to know that my presence was there, mm-hmm. and that that's what's the the secret sauce inside of the organization. I agree because whenever I see Red Clay perform, I think of you. Mm-hmm. Even you're not on stage, but yeah. I'm like, yeah. Thank you. That's definitely Vershawn's vision. Same. same. <laughs> oh, another note to add, that same person was like, oh, you're in Mad Rhythms? Do you know Star Dixon? What? Da- I, was like, I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I was like hurt and I then proud all at the same time, right? <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah. That's dope. Um, That's legacy. Yeah, absolutely. That's legacy. And it's funny talking about legacy, how far that is probably removed in the beginning of our thought process. Mm -hmm. But now, like, I couldn't imagine Mad Rhythms without me in the beginning. But now all I'm imagining is where it goes once I'm no longer here. And that's the legacy of, of keeping the commitment to excellence alive exactly yeah exactly so artivist Ooh, artivist, artivist. That, that that's a nice segue to me um um and and so when i first saw that of course i was like well i've been running around saying i'm a tactivist <laughs> all along and and i think it's because we sometimes don't have the luxury of just being artists for the sake of the art some people don't understand that that's actually a luxury. Luxury. It because is. sometimes when you're when you're a member of any oppressed group, mm-hmm. you know, I know the new terminology is BIPOC. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that. It kind of rolls it all into one. Mm-hmm. But especially, you know, as, as, as a person of color, as a black person, everything, like I'll be glad when I get to the point where I can create art just for mm-hmm. the sake of art. Mm-hmm. Because then I'll have done what I needed to do with the activism mm, of the art. Mm. And so I'm just so, when when I saw your shirts that said artivism and yes. I am an artivist yes. and all that, I was all like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So tell me how that came yeah. about through your work. I um I was reading a book called It's Bigger Than Hip Hop by mm. M.K. Asante. So okay. I gotta always give credit. Of course, what credit is not, due. I did not coin that word. <laughs> and I'm not even sure if he coined the word, but that was the first time I saw uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. And he is the son of Dr. Um, Kamamu, Kamaru, sorry, Welsh. Uh-huh. Um, she's a, a well known dance artist and um, has her own dance technique technique called umfundala which is like an african um contemporary african form but Mm -hmm. still really rooted to traditional west african okay but i I, I knew a little bit about her but i picked up the book i'm not even sure how i picked up the book because i'm not a (laughs) hip-hop but i was just like it's bigger than (laughs) hip-hop but i grew up in the hip-hop right 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 right. i was like it's a lived experience for me it's Uh, not a class yeah yeah you know it's not something i'm taking (laughs) in the studio so i picked it up and he and he was reading he was talking about 
um, kind of what you were saying about the responsibility mm-hmm. of an artist once you understand the purpose of your work. Uh-huh. It's mm-hmm. like once you know that and see that, you, you have a responsibility to mm-hmm. then act and move in that place. You can't unknow what uh-huh. you see, you know? And so That's when right. you see inequities and when you see different different um, forces that are oppressing people that you care about or mm-hmm. people group that you are a part of, then you have an opportunity through your art to address that. Yeah. You know, for those that are in the community that may not be <laughs> or outside of the community. Uh-huh. So one, but it's, it, he talked about that. Like it's, it's a great responsibility and a privilege though, mm-hmm. to be able to use that as a way to gather people together or rally people together around a thing. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not, call to action right away there's an awareness and a knowing Mm -hmm. so that you can't say oh i didn't know that (laughs) you know i didn't know that this was happening on 40s i didn't know it's like no it was it was put before you Uh in a way that was very artistic and beautiful and all Uh the things Uh it still should cause you to question Uh okay what is that something for me to act on? Am I am I a part of the problem? Like, am I am I adding to whatever that that, that um the situation is, or can I be a part of the solution? Or what's my role in it, really? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I, I try to get to in a lot of my work is for people just to think about where's my role in this, mm. even if even if it's not my child or my family member, like, but what is my role as a part of, in a, as a member of society mm. inside of this area? And where do I have a platform mm-hmm. to either bring additional resources mm-hmm. or whatever? So just to, um, that's what I feel like is a, is a responsibility for me and my work. And I don't think, I'm not the first. Artists have been doing this for right. many, many years. <laughs> right, right. Many, many years, but just the vocabulary to, um, to explain what I'm doing and mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm being very intentional about it. It's not just, oh, that just happens to be about, no, this is something I'm seeing in real life and mm-hmm. I want to address it. I may not be downtown marching with the pickets. <laughs> you know, that's not my We thing. all have our roles, yep. And my yep. role is to put this on a stage for you to come and say, hmm, I didn't think about it that way or this mm-hmm. is a different perspective or just to feel it in an embodied way, like to actually feel mm-hmm. and to see someone expressing that, then that's going to that's gonna touch you because you have that same, like, you know, that heart, that rhythm, that beat inside mm-hmm. of you to connect to that. And, um, or if you don't, to understand <laughs> why you're not. Right, like, right, what's, right. What's shut off inside of my lived experience that I'm not able to access and mm-hmm. connect to another human being in that way. So I think it's that that was my first mm. um, connection to the word. And then I was like, yeah, I'm an artivist <laughs> and I want to train other artivists. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing, and it's nothing wrong with arts for arts sake. Right, right, I'm right, not, right. You know, I, I'm not sitting in judgment of that, but my purpose mm-hmm. and why I was gifted with this, um, why I was gifted and able to move in this art form is for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and it's not, um, I will say it's not always easy because everyone doesn't want to be challenged in that way when they come <laughs> to the theater. They're like, come on, let's just, just clap my hands, yeah. tap my feet and Let's go just have home. some fun. Let's yeah, just have yeah. some fun. And I'm like, yeah, but, uh-huh. you know, um, there, there, are, there are folks that are seriously challenged in the world Mm -hmm. and so i can't again once i know i can't just turn that off and act like i don't see i I believe the uh the the great um comic book writer stan lee (laughs) 
wrote for Spider-Man, with Ooh. great power comes great responsibility. And there you go. Um, you said something, you said a couple of things that really resonated with me. One, intentional. Mm-hmm. I find myself saying that more and more. Mm-hmm. Like to operate without intention is, yeah. is I don't even understand it anymore. No. And even when I'm talking down to the root of tap dance, like every step, every rhythm, every, like, it, I deal a lot in improvisation, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you do as mm-hmm. well. And it's like, yes, you don't make it up, but why you do each thing has yeah. to have a place yeah. in in the in the sphere of, of, of all things that make up what you do. So right. I love that you said that. I talk about intentionality all the time. Like yeah. everything. Look, I see I'm making noise. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised. Vanessa ain't been like, stop moving your hands. Because um, now we're really getting into, like, it's... Um, it's in it now. Um, but the other thing is, yeah, I feel like for us, like for me, literally tap saved my life. Mm. So I... I literally was like, now I have to save lives with yes, tap. Like it, yes. it was a, it was a, a string of of consciousness, and I, I, I tell people I used to say that I thought tap was was my gift from God, mm. and then I realized it's not. Tap mm. is the tool, mm. but my gift is to affect change in my community with, with through tap. via ah, tap. Okay, and that, I it, like that it was a, it took me a while because I was like, yeah, that's my God gift. God mm. gave me that mm-hmm. gift, and then I'm like. But it's the things that I'm doing with it, I think, are the That's true the gift. gift. Yeah, and I so, agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. You got me. But you got me. Yeah, you got me thinking hard. <laughs> um, but I, And I think that's why, I, like I say, I'm so, whenever Red Clay comes across, I'm ecstatic. I'm happy mm. just to see you all making the moves and making the changes. And just, I don't know, and getting the attention. Because mm-hmm. so many times we doing the work. And we don't Man. do it for the attention. But hello, we'll be over here. <laughs> but it is very yes. uh, nice, it's nice to be recognized, it's to be nice. seen. Um, yeah. So, Red Clay, mm-hmm. your own building. building. Man, what was that process like? Ooh-wee. I'm just, I'm just curious because uh, I know uh-huh. certain aspects of that firsthand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say you already know what happened. <laughs> You know, we have been um, we have been arts partners for really since we got to Chicago. Like I said, we were at the Gary Comer Youth uh-huh, Center. Uh-huh. Then we moved to um, Graham Crossings Park, and then we got in the arts partners and residence through the park district. So that's how we ended up at Fuller Park. Okay, which I think was really at first I was like. Ugh. <laughs> but it was really divine. I didn't know how much dance history came out of Fuller Park. Mm. Like, there's so many dance groups that have been started. And, I mean, just just so many. So I was like, okay, this is where we're supposed to be. And we were there for five years. Okay, I didn't, okay. I didn't realize it had been five. I was like, we've been there for five years? And I was like, man, Mr. Brown, you didn't kick us out. Uh, <laughs> but we invested in that space. Uh-huh. We, we were able to turn an old wood shop room into a dance studio. Uh-huh, uh-huh. From my understanding, it's still a it's dance still a studio. dance studio. We put down the dance floor, mm-hmm. mirrors. Like we were like, we're gonna. We knew that it was a transition place for us, but we need to pour into this space mm-hmm. because it is allowed red clay to grow uh-huh. and vision and- forward being here. So it's like we gotta we gotta invest while we're here. But uh, the pandemic. Hold on, let really, me make that note. Uh-oh. Vision, vision <laughs> forward. Okay, keep going. I'm I've done. seen that in your in your stuff yeah. too. Uh huh. Now I see. It. Okay. I'm so done with okay, you. and then. Um, but the, <laughs> the pandemic, pandemic. The pandemic. So we were there, and we were kind of 
we were making plans for a transition, trying to see where do we want to be, what kind of space do we need. We, mm-hmm. we had done a, a space assessment through IFF of like, well, this is how much square foot you're using and based on what you want to do. We did all that. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at the price. And for those who don't know, ISF is? Oh, IFF <laughs> is a, it's a um, organization that works specifically with nonprofits in terms of capital funding. Mm-hmm. So when you're mm-hmm. looking to build out or any any sort of like financial uh-huh. and they also do some financial help and planning and things mm-hmm. like that but they specifically want to support 501c3s yeah. and um and you know cuz when you go to a traditional bank it's always the, <laughs> it's a risk <laughs> um, but anyway that's another podcast right 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 but um the perception of dance the, the perception it's risky <laughs> um but anyway we did that plan and i had been talking with my board and it was mm-hmm. like you know we really got to find our own space we're outgrowing this space mm-hmm. and we just didn't have the autonomy to uh-huh. even vision cuz it was always well what is the park district going to say for right us? right how many days a week are we going to be able to get okay so now let's fit our programming into, into it instead of having a space instead where you could of, yeah i can create programming I can create programming yeah. we yeah. can be there whenever we need to be so with the shutdown there was just a really slow return to reopening mm-hmm. and it was the the timeline was just so it could be one month it could uh-huh. be three more months uh-huh. it could be and i'm sitting here like i got a whole organization <laughs> i need to know what we're doing so i i talked to my board i was like we're gonna have to move forward with this plan quicker than we thought mm-hmm. what are our options um and so we knew we our first goal was to be able to par- purchase land and build that mm-hmm. was just something that my grandfather was always like, buy you some land and build you something. Uh-huh. So I, I knew that as a child. I was like, this is what I want to do. But I knew that wasn't going to happen in mm-hmm. a couple of months. So I was like, what are our other steps? And so we looked at, at some places. We thought about where we wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing. What community do we actually want to mm-hmm. be in? Mm-hmm. Where are um, where are the resources that we're able to access? And then we got to go to community and make sure that it's cool for that us to cool. come. Yeah. You know? So we did all of that. We ended up in Woodlawn. We found the place. We worked with um, POA, the Preservation for Affordable Housing. They had a facility. They had open space. Mm-hmm. And so we just went in and were like, look, this is what we need. This is how much money we got. <laughs> oh, okay. This is how much money we got. Um, but you all are community developers. So, so you want to develop and pour into community. Uh-huh. And we are community-minded uh-huh. organizations. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So can we meet in the middle? So we um, opened up. We're at 808 63rd. We opened up. This is our second year mm-hmm. in the space. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Uh, we worked with that architect, Brian Hudson, black architects, amazing. Yeah, I know Brian. Yeah. He I've, been, I've been knowing him since Kinko's Man. days. He was like, Rashawn, you only have this much space and you want this much. So it was great because he, he kept my, um, you know, just brought me back down to uh-huh, reality. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, yeah, so we worked with him to build it out. We had an amazing general contractor, D. Jones Construction black woman-owned construction mm. company that was important to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and she she brought my dream to fruition. Um, okay. And so, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for, the, thank you for that. Um, she brought my dream to fruition. And I, I mean, I still feel like this is a stepping stone for uh-huh. Play. It's, it's where we needed to be to root ourselves, to learn the, uh, what's necessary to run a facility of your own. Mm-hmm. And what are the things operationally you got to 
build up inside of your organization. So mm-hmm. there was some knowledge and from the knowledge learning, some gaps in mm-hmm. our knowledge. And we're like, we there's some other professionals we need to bring around the table. Because again, <laughs> I'm an artist. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm a businesswoman. I'm all right yeah. at it, but there's definitely areas I don't yeah. know. So like that was the first. So um, right now we're we're feeling good. We're you know we got a pretty good foundation, mm-hmm. and now it's just how do we sustain that and uh-huh. we're still coming out of a pandemic yeah yeah because um, it's not over it is not over <laughs> <laughs> um so how do we sustain this and then mm-hmm. how do we and then it's also thinking about is that space that we originally visioned what we really need or are there other alternatives to mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we could go with this idea of space mm-hmm. and so um that's where we are right now. Okay. With it. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we are, we we're gonna wrap it up only because oh. only because we have to. <laughs> but before we do that, okay. so you also have a podcast. What is the name of yeah. your podcast, and where might people find it? Yeah, it is called Artivist Talk. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we talking about all things, uh-huh, not just uh-huh, bands, but uh-huh. really just folks that that approach their art making through the lens of an artivist mm-hmm. and what does that mean to them so we gotta have you on there anytime <laughs> you already know <laughs> but that's our and you can find us on you know apple spotify all the places all the you places find the you podcast. find podcasts yeah so we're we're gearing up for our second season we've only completed one season uh-huh yeah this y- y- was, you're in our second season oh my goodness <laughs> this is some work bro yeah. I'm like, well on. the whole first season i did by myself oh wow and i think i had one maybe two interviews oh, in that wow. first season okay. but the most of it was just, just me you. sitting here talking and Vanessa yelling and showing <laughs> me stuff but I, like interviews are much easier yeah. because yeah. especially when there's like the the, the shared interests exactly. like we have so the last thing I want to say though yes. is you run now so Red Clay is you could how do you coin yourselves? Modern contemporary, contemporary. We're, I know things yeah, change. We are Afro contemporary. Afro contemporary. I, I love yeah, it. That's Afro contemporary because there's that lens through which we look at contemporary dance. Mm-hmm. Slightly different. Slight. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other part of that is, and you've always had tap at your studio. I know. And, and I appreciate. I know, but I appreciate that as a tap mm-hmm. dancer. Because I tell people, tap dancers, so we've been having this fight on two fronts. Okay. Because of the civil rights era and history and Hollywood and the whitewashing, a lot of black folks and black organizations, black artists, black dancers mm-hmm. did not think of tap as their own. Yeah. And then on the other on the other side of that is fighting with the white community or the general community or even folks in it who change the narrative and things of that is like, mm-hmm. yes, tap is ours. Mm-hmm. It's for everybody. Yes. But let's let's give credit, like you said in the beginning of this interview, where credit is due. And so when I come across, and I know like there's many ballet studios and even the black owned ones, not many of them have tap. Yeah. yeah. There's this there's this interesting like subculture of tap being a cousin or tap Mm. being other in the Mm. dance world. And so the fact that you always have had tap at your studio, and of course, because all the teachers pretty (laughs) much came from that rhythm. I I, I go to the best. I'm like, we got to have the best. Who's available? Who who, who can slide out and give us just two hours a week? Yeah. No, it was was just important to me. Um, When I started training in dance, I did start taking tap. Okay. And it was... um, Man, I can't even really begin how to describe 
the foundation that it gave me uh-huh. in ter- as a dancer and understanding musicality, understanding where mm. my weight and my breath and my it's an understanding that I as a body can make rhythm too. Uh-huh. That is something that a lot of forms don't mm-hmm. teach. And as a as a a well-rounded, versatile dancer. Uh-huh. Even if you choose not to go down that path, mm-hmm. you need to have this experience and this foundation because it will inform so much about your, um, oh man, just the way that you're able to show up inside of any sort of dance practice. And a lot of people would say like, oh, well, ballet does that. No, it doesn't <laughs> do it. It, just, it does not. And I'm I'm just sorry. It uh-huh. does not. So that was always important to me to have tap. Like I said, we we where they may not go on and do it. And if they get to a certain, I'll be the first one to be like, so we can take you this far. <laughs> you want to go further? Let me give you Brill's number. I'm very honest about that. But I want to at least start you on that uh-huh, journey. Uh-huh. Because some, some dancers will find like, no, contemporary is not my thing. Tap is my thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm just trying to plant that seed. Yeah. And then for you to be like, these are all the options you have as a dancer mm-hmm. all of it all of it is dance yeah okay, thank you and i appreciate all of it is dance and but, i appreciate but, you for um, that um it's it's it takes just as much um technical proficiency uh-huh. like all the things that they talk about as a dancer it's the same it's no different so that's why we do it yeah you and, know? and the word you used foundation yeah because i'm you know we we trying to get past this whole ballet yes, is the foundation of all dance it's not and it's i not. wish people would stop being offended by that statement and, and just start just be all right it's just it. yeah it's just a fact yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going, okay. I'm going. all right uh thank you so much for sean it was you. a wonderful it was wonderful having you, thank you and uh me. yeah we'll we'll talk again this yes. this has been the either and podcast with vashawn sanders ward i am your host brill barrett and uh there may be a part two because i'm gonna ah. have to call you back up to talk some more i'm ready all right let me know peace out peoples